Welcome to Metal Injection Squared Circle Pants! Today's guest, MVP! And now, here is your host, Rob Paspani! The summer is getting hot. Welcome to Squared Circle Pit. I have a very unique guest on the show today, someone you might not expect to be in the swear circle pit, I am talking about Montel Vontavious Porter, MVP himself. I'm going to have him on in a few minutes to talk about his love of metal, punk, hardcore, his very interesting altercation with Macho Man Randy Savage backstage at a Misfit show, and uh, some other really cool uh, tidbits. Like, uh, it was actually a really, really cool interview. I He was a bit busy. I kind of caught him off guard. Uh, so he was with his son, so I didn't have the most time to talk to him. But I think I got the most out of him for the time that I had. Hope you enjoy the interview. And after, stick around. Uh, I'm going to have some thoughts on SummerSlam, some thoughts on the world of pro wrestling. And if this is your first episode of Squared Circle Pit, welcome! This is the intersection of heavy metal and pro wrestling. That's what we talk about here. We have a ton of great episodes in the can. Timeless episodes, which you can listen to anytime you want on your podcast listening device or app of choice. The last episode we posted was with the former Alistair Black, uh, now Malachi Black. And actually, that's the inspiration for today's guest, because he mentioned that he talked to MVP about metal. And I thought that was so cool that I decided to book MVP as my guest. So why not? In addition to Malachi, we also have interviews with Brody King, Rhea Ripley, Damian Priest. We've got James Durbin. We got uh, Triple H, Edge, Seth Rollins, John Moxley. Uh, also got comedian Brian Posehn, uh, artists like Corey Taylor, Maynard James Keen, and plenty of our corpse grinder from Cannibal Corpse. Go to metalinjection.net slash squared circle pit or anywhere you get podcasts to hear all the archives. But right now, let's get in the pit. Now entering the Squared Circle Pit, I'm very excited to have MVP on and a little cameo from his son, if you're looking at the video here. And I recently actually talked to the former Alistair Black, and I asked him who were some of the guys in WWE that he talked to about metal, and he brought up your name. And uh, while while it was initially surprising to me, I, I went down the rabbit hole. I heard your interview with Damien from uh, from Fucked Up, and uh, you you are a lifelong metalhead uh, or a rockhead or, or punk and hardcore and all that stuff, and uh, I think that's really awesome. Uh, so I was curious, like, how did how did this music enter your life? I don't know if that would be fair to call me a metalhead, but I definitely am a fan of of metal. <clears throat> uh, and I was born in the seventies, so when MTV came online in the early eighties, you know, it was the thing, and even though I lived in a black neighborhood, I went to school in a white neighborhood. So I was exposed to, at a very early age, Van Halen and, and uh, Def Leppard and, and you know, Motley Crue and, and these kind of bands that were you know, really mainstream, radio friendly. Um, and I've never been scared of music. If something appeals to me, then I'll give it a listen. And I don't really care much about the genre. And when I was a teenager, I was about... 15, I was in a juvenile program, Crossroads Wilderness Institute, and there was this kid, Jason Tyner, and he was begging me, literally begging me to listen to this Metallica song. Please just listen. I'm begging you. And I gave it a chance. And it was uh, one. And I was like, whoa, this is a, this is a, insane. 
And then, you know, because I had seen the kids with the Metallica patches and, you know, the really dirty sneakers with the Metallica T-shirts. And I went down the Metallica rabbit hole and I loved it. Um, but my, as far as metal was concerned, you know, then I was introduced to other metal bands. But what really set the hook for me, as you can see by the logo behind me, was my introduction to old school New York City hardcore and the punk scene. And my intro to that genre was Bad Brains and Agnostic Front. And right away, I identified with the aggression and the subject matter. And, you know, as I got a little bit more mature, I understood that the, the nuances between hardcore and hip hop were very, very subtle in the end. That's very interesting that you say that because I agree it's a lot about singing about the struggle of, of growing up and, and trying to make something of yourself. So uh, I definitely uh, see the similarities there. And did you, like, when did you discover wrestling? I grew up in South Florida and uh, wrestling, you know, it's just the thing. My uncle used to sell popcorn at the Miami Beach Convention Center and my mom used to take me. And my earliest memories are, you know, seeing Dusty Rhodes just bleeding, his forehead running. And I think Terry Funk had busted him open with a chair. And I was in first grade, so I was about five years old. And I just remember all of these people screaming and cheering and me looking at my mother and seeing her cheering and thinking to myself at that age, like, wow, she's letting me watch this. This is amazing. That was my introduction to, to pro wrestling. I think uh, there can't be a better introduction than Dusty Rhodes uh, in terms of that. Dusty Rhodes and Terry Funk. Right, right. I mean, Terry Funk exudes the metal vibe in general. Like that dude, <laughs> like just his run in ECW alone, that's that's metal. <laughs> well, well, if you think about his barbed wire matches and, and his branding iron, you can't get any more metal <laughs> than a branding iron and, and barbed wire. That's about as metal as it gets. So do you still keep up? Uh, like, uh, obviously you, you talk to friends and stuff, but like, how are you of the type that you're constantly looking for new music to listen to? Or it's more like you have your favorites and if somebody recommends something, you'll check it out, but you're kind of not straying from your, your go-tos. It's interesting that you put it that way because I found myself falling into that mold. And yes, of course, I listen to my favorites and they're in heavy rotation and always will be. And usually if somebody like, like Damien Abraham, for example, or if some younger guy says, Hey, check this group out. Um, then I'll, I'll give it a listen. Um, but I've actually tried to go out there and look for new music more and, and be a little more open-minded and check out some of the new things that I'm, that I'm hearing. It's funny. That's how I discovered a uh, code orange, uh, a young guy was like, Hey, MVP ever heard of code orange. And I didn't really know about them. And then I found out about their affiliation with pro wrestling and I gave them a listen. I'm like, wow, I, yeah, this is good. I like this. And I do feel like the the genre of, of rock and metal and, and, and wrestling, like they're kind of like cousins. I feel like there's very similar going for similar vibes here, especially like if you think of certain eras, like the Attitude Era had like a total new metal vibe. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, well, how do you feel about that topic? If you have a, no, I was just going to say when, when you said, you know, the attitude era and in the nineties, new metal, you can't separate the attitude era from let the bodies hit the floor, let the bodies hit the floor. Like they, they go hand in hand. Like it, it's like the soundtrack. If you did a montage to the nineties, 
did a, uh, a medley of new metal, you would have to open it up with let the bodies hit the floor. Right. Was that drowning pool? Yep. And even like uh limp biscuit too. I feel like limp biscuit will forever be associated with like WrestleMania 17, that sadly, Austin package. <laughs> so who are, who are some more of your go-tos? You mentioned bad brains, agnostic front. Metallica. What are some other ones you always put on? Metallica, I got to be very honest. Metallica is just, you know, everything prior to the Black Album. Once once they hit the Black Album and, and got that mainstream success, I just don't care for their newer stuff as much. But I, I see that tends to be a common theme with me musically. I tend to like the older stuff and the newer stuff, not as much. Jericho and I used to beef about Paul Diano or Bruce Dickinson. Bruce Dickinson, without question, is the better vocalist. But for the kind of music that I like, Diano is, is you know, that's, that's what I want to hear, you know. I'm also a big fan of Howard Jones. He is my absolute favorite metal vocalist, bar none. He is my favorite. So his run with Killswitch was my favorite. But now with uh, Light the Torch, you know, they're, they're doing good things. And, and I really, really love his vocals. Yeah, I mean, Maybe you could put me up on some new stuff I need to listen to. Sure. I could, I could absolutely, uh, off the top of my head, I don't, I don't have any recommendation at the moment, but I could absolutely send you a bunch of, of stuff. That's, it's my honor to do, uh, especially hearing the type of stuff that you like. I like also like the New York hardcore scene, kind of more grimier, dirtier stuff as well. Yeah. Uh, and you, you had a, a pretty cool run in Japan. You were the first IWGP intercontinental champion. And I was wondering what's the rock scene like in Japan? I feel like you always hear like rock bands are bigger in Japan. Like it feels like Japan has a bigger respect for rock. What were some of the vibes when you were there? One of the coolest things about Japan that I discovered when I was there musically, everything we have, they have right down to the genres, like hanging out at hip hop clubs, I'd be in this one and it'd be backpack rap. I'd go to this one and it was like Southern trap and everyone's, you know, got the dress codes were similar. And I found the same thing on the rock scene. Got to be real cool with the legendary tattoo artist, Tokyo Hero. And he would invite me out a few times. If, if you were a rock star or a fighter and you came through Tokyo, you got some ink from Tokyo Hero. So he was going backstage all the time, inking up some of these rock stars. And he was kind enough to invite me out a couple times. And it doesn't matter if it's metal. They have a full-on metal scene. Punk and hardcore, they have a full-on punk and hardcore scene. Goth, death, whatever genre of metal or rock, the Japanese have that genre as well. So it was really cool to see that and discover that. Did you see any, any, any things there where you're like, okay, I get they're trying to emulate it, but this could be <laughs> taken the wrong way or something like that. You know what I mean? No, no, not over there. Cause they're, they're really sharp. They're tuned in and okay. they know what's going on. Yeah. They're they're Although it is kind of funny because just like we in America or in English speaking countries, we love to see Japanese or, or Chinese characters and we'll wear things that in, in Japanese writing and we have no idea what it means. It just looks cool. Sometimes you'd see that in reverse where they're wearing something in English and it makes no sense or it's, it's ridiculous, but you know, it looks cool because it's in English with whatever. And I'd like, man, 
I wonder how often we're walking around wearing something, you know, and, and you know, some Asian people are looking at us going, <laughs> look at these clowns. <laughs> yeah, it says toilet on a shirt. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> uh, so one interesting thing I mentioned that podcast that you did with Damien from from Fucked Up is that you grew up with Zach Blair of Rise Against. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I thought that was really cool. Just like growing up, you know, just two friends and then you both kind of make it in separate parts of the entertainment industry and then and then you reconnected. Do you still keep in touch with Zach and do you guys talk? Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, so I don't know if you saw that episode of The Wrestlers that, that I was on with, with Damian Abraham. Well, the guys that uh, produced that, we're working with them to do maybe like a documentary of the relationship that Zach and I had, our meeting and our lives and, and the path that, that that followed. And it's fascinating because I was an outcast from Miami who was in trouble, who got sent away to Sherman to, to stay out of trouble for a while. And they were outcast in their hometown. And here I was from Miami, some hip hop gang member kid who, because of my affiliation with the skinhead that I worked with, knew all about the music that they were into, all of this hardcore and thrash. And we bonded over that and we ended up becoming friends. And then I disappeared. They went their path. And then years later, we reconnected. And it's a fascinating story. If you haven't heard it, I strongly recommend you go check out that episode of Turned Out a Punk. But when we uh, when we get the document documentary out there, it's pretty cool because when we met in high school, Zach told me then I'll never forget. And I always tell the story laying on the bed in his bedroom with his brothers and a few guys. And we're shooting the shit. And he said, we're going to be musicians. We're going to be in a band. We're going to play music for a living. And we think you're cool. We'll teach you how to play guitar. So you can travel on the road with us and be guitar, be a, a guitar tech. And this is back in like 11th grade or something. So how cool it was for me to see all these years later that both he and his brother went on to do exactly what they said they were going to do back when they were kids in high school. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, shows you just got to you got to hit the pedal to the metal and just do it. And then eventually it'll happen if you try hard enough. Well, people always ask me about my success and I say, listen, you just got to figure out what it is you want to do and have a laser beam like focus. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't do it, but you got to put in the work. You have to put in the effort, the sacrifice. You know, they say uh, one of my favorite quotes is success is where preparation and opportunity meet. You know, it, it doesn't just drop in your lap. There's no such thing as an overnight success. There's years and years and years of grinding before that opportunity comes for you to just discover somebody Oh yeah, I just found out these I just discovered these guys. Now these guys have been grinding for a decade. So Yeah, and I feel I feel like you're a great example of that. You know, you kind of left the the, the mainstream eye, uh the mainstream wrestling world uh after your first run with WWE. You still obviously had su successful run in Japan, you were doing indies, you're doing your own thing, and now you've come back and you know, to someone who wasn't paying attention, it's like, oh, all of a sudden MVP is successful, but you had a whole career that you had to to, to work at to get to this point and to know I feel like when you came back, you kind of exuded this confidence that wasn't really seen in WWE at the time. And what I really liked is that you also elevated all the people you worked with too, like uh, Ricochet and Cedric and Apollo, like all those guys. In a way, you kind of gave them a rub just by kind of talking for them. <laughs> you know, I don't think you know because my first run in WWE, I had the confidence. What I lacked was the experience to back up that confidence because you can't swim in that water if you're not confident. You can't step in the ring and have a 20-minute match with The Undertaker and not be confident. You have to be confident. But what I bring with me now is the experience of 
over 20 years in the business. My time in WWE, and as you mentioned, my time in New Japan, my time at Impact. I worked at a number of different companies and, and independent companies around the world and still had success independently. So coming back to the WWE and being given an opportunity to be in the position that I'm in, I have all of the confidence that I had before, plus the confidence that comes with having the experience of been of, of having been put in virtually any situation you can think of in this business and knowing how to handle it if it comes my way. And again, you know, I don't say this from a, a position of cockiness. It's just experience. I'm virtually unflappable because I've been there and done that. And when you're on Raw, which is live television, you have a three-second delay. That's your safety net. So if anything goes wrong, you have about three seconds to figure out how to fix it. And you'd be surprised how often there are miscues that you, you never knew because the professionals involved realized, okay, somebody forgot something, somebody made a mistake. And we all work to, as professionals to, to cover up for any shortcomings that, you know, someone might have or, you know, mistakes happen. So it's really cool to be in a position now where, I mean, virtually anything you throw at me, I've seen it. And I can also give that to the younger guys who are coming up behind me because the guys who, when I came in, the, the Booker T's and the Undertakers and the Batistas and the JBLs and, you know, all of these iconic figures, they gave it to me. Yeah. And, you know, August 21st at SummerSlam, Las Vegas, you are in the main event program. You have been working with Lashley. You guys have been kind of creating this awesome hurt business gimmick. And uh, I mean, it's just it's worked out so well. And it, did you ever expect like, oh, I'm going to be managing the world champion and, and against Goldberg and I'm going to be cutting promos against Goldberg in 2021? You know, never, never, never. I was supposed to retire last year. You know, as the saying goes, the card subject the card is subject to change. <laughs> and and for those who are listening that, that might not be aware, my intentions were to retire. And this little guy back here who keeps popping his head up periodically, I don't know, he maybe dozed off, but he became a wrestling fan. And summer, uh, not Summer Sam, uh, the Royal Rumble was taking place in Houston. So in the past, WWE had reached out to me about being a surprise entry in the Royal Rumble, and uh, you know couple times it didn't work out another time we didn't come to terms um but there was never any animosity it was just you know business um but this time i reached out to them and made it clear that hey i'd love to be a surprise entry it's in houston i live there but most importantly i just wanted my son who is now a wrestling fan to see daddy in the wwe and uh paul Heyman facilitated that and you know uh it was spectacular to be able to come back to the WWE universe at a Royal Rumble, but it was supposed to be a one-off just for my son to, to see daddy. And then Paul Heyman asked me if I could make it to San Antonio the next day. Yeah, sure. It's a short drive. Uh, and then on Raw, I wrestled Rey Mysterio. That was Paul Heyman's doing. Rey Mysterio is my son's favorite wrestler. So the first night he got to see daddy come out in the Royal Rumble. The second night at home on TV, he watched daddy wrestle Rey Mysterio. And at that point I was done. That's all I wanted to do. And then they offered me a position as a producer. I'll give it 90 days, see if you like it. And I decided, all right, yeah, let's give it a shot. I was going to retire anyway. And the pandemic hit. And, you know, just before that, they had asked me, hey, can you go on screen and do a, a get over segment with Drew McIntyre? Sure, I'd love to. 
Can you do it again next week? Sure, I'd love to. And before I knew it, every week I'm on television. And I got released from my position as a producer, but was immediately brought on. There was a seamless transition. I was kept on as talent. And it just one week turned into another. And, you know, we're doing this performance center. And then the performance center turns into the Thunderdome. And so much for retirement. Here I am. So, no, I never thought that I'd be managing the, the WWE champion. I never really thought that I'd be a manager in this industry. Um, but I'm having so much fun and I'm glad things did transpire the way they have. I appreciate Paul Heyman opening up that door and allowing me to come back and show everybody that I still got it. As, as, as the saying goes, you still got it. Um, and of course I'm thankful to, to Vince McMahon for giving me the opportunity to, to contribute on this level. And, you know, I tell the young guys all the time, Hey, thanks for letting me play. And it was, it's kind of going back to what you said. You had the experience of your entire career of working and they just, the opportunity was there where they needed somebody to talk. They couldn't exactly fly as many people in. You were available. And, and that's how the, the success happened. It's all of that came together. Success is where preparation and opportunity meet. I was prepared. I was given an opportunity and I, it's, it's been a success and I'm very grateful for that. But to be in Las Vegas, Nevada at the at Allegiant Stadium for probably the biggest SummerSlam of all time, certainly the, the biggest event of this year, managing Bobby Lashley against Goldberg. I mean, this, this is iconic in so many ways. And to be a part of it is it's, it's surreal, you know, because like I said, I wasn't supposed to be here, but not only am I here, I'm here in a main event kind of way. So I'm, I'm so proud of what Bobby's accomplished this past year. Like he's, leaps and bounds his his improvements are phenomenal what a great tandem and at SummerSlam I look forward to watching Bobby plow through Goldberg and lay his ass out nice well uh we're gonna wind it down I just have one more thing I wanted to, to quickly mention which is on that podcast which with Damien and Zach Blair which you should check out I'll link it in the description you mentioned maybe one of the craziest Macho Man stories <laughs> ever how you how you met Macho Man, and that's how you kind of ran into Zach while he was playing for Guar. Could you give like just a brief <laughs> summary of that story, if, if possible, or like how you ran into? Because uh, there is there is the, a punk the, the angle to it as well. <laughs> well, as Damian Abraham says with pro wrestling, there's a punk angle to everything. <laughs> punk wrestling connection is it's, it's inter interwoven. Well, when Zach and I reconnected. He told me he was playing for Guar. So whenever Guar would come to South Florida, I would go catch up with Zach, catch a show. This one particular show, I had just started wrestling school. And apparently Macho Man's wife at the time was involved with uh, Doyle from the Misfits. And there was uh, shenanigans going on. Macho Man showed up, I guess, to uh, deal with said shenanigans. And uh, I still have a photograph of me and Macho Man from that night, a very young baby faced me. Let's just say that it was interesting because security and, and law enforcement on hand were prepared to physically throw the Macho Man out. He was backstage. And uh, I'll never forget him saying, I asked him for a photo and I was talking, chatting to him a bit. And he said, oh, brother, you're the only one that's being nice to me back here. Yeah. And I thought, hey, if the security come and try to throw the macho man out, I'm going down with the macho man. You know, we, we laughed about it, but 
Uh, yeah, there's a lot more to that story, but that that's the overview. He showed up to beat up the misfits and uh, potentially me and, and Zach thwarted that. Maybe it was an interesting night. You calmed him down. <laughs> Well, that, that's awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat. I will definitely DM you a bunch of bands uh, that I think you, you will enjoy. Absolutely. And, and be on the lookout because I've been threatening this for some time. I now have the pieces in place. I just haven't had the time to go through it as I want to. But uh, I make music. I've done you know a bunch of hip hop. I got some stuff on Spotify. But it's always been my goal to front my own hardcore band. And that's something that's been in the works for a while. I've got some stuff written. Just uh, Zach and I even did a couple uh, garage band demos in Austin. Um, so be on the lookout in in the in the very near future. There could be an EP coming from me with uh, me doing vocals and 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 a, a few pretty cool guys backing me up on 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 the instruments and. What our name will be, I have no idea, but this is a it's a bucket list item for me. I've always wanted to do some hardcore and it's on the horizon. That sounds great. And I, I really feel like you have the right kind of raspy voice to be a, a hardcore singer. <laughs> Let's just hope I don't blow it. I <laughs> looking forward to it. MVP, catch him on SummerSlam Saturday, August 21st on Peacock. Thank you so much, man. Have a great one. And don't forget Monday Night Raw. Oh, that's right. Monday Night Raw. The half man, half amazing baller superstar Montel Vontavious Porter and the almighty WWE champion Bobby Lashley. You watch us on Monday Night Raw or we might show up at your house and give you an attitude adjustment. And I ain't talking about the kind that John Cena does either. <laughs> great awesome thank you so much man uh, it's, it's been great to connect uh, this was a really cool combo it's been a pleasure SummerSlam is just around the corner it's this Saturday and of course MVP mentioned one of the main events is uh, Bobby Lashley versus Bill Goldberg now uh, to be honest with you I'm not like dying to see this match <laughs> I kind of feel like I know the outcome my prediction is Bobby Lashley is going to win but I'm more curious in the sense of, like, how are they going to pace this match? What are they going to do to make it seem interesting? That's kind of what I'm curious about. That's that's my question for this match. I think Lashley's going to win for sure. Roman Reigns versus John Cena. I'm more interested in this match. Kind of want to see what Cena can do now that he's been out of the ring for about a year. And Roman Reigns has been killing it. So I think it'll be a great match. I think that's going to be the true main event of the show. And no question about it, Roman Reigns is winning. Nikki A.S.H. versus Charlotte versus Rhea Ripley for the Raw Women's Championship. Hard to say. I think they're really going with Nikki Ash here, but because of the three-way, I could see some shenanigans, and I could see Rhea Ripley getting the belt back. That's my prediction. The Usos versus Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio. This is the match I'm most looking forward to. They've had incredible matches on SmackDown, an incredible match at the pre-show of the last pay-per-view, which might have been the best pre-show match ever in WWE pay-per-views. So I'm rooting for Ray and Dominic to get the titles back, but I'm guessing the Usos are just going to win it based on how they're doing the storyline. Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks for the Women's Championship of SmackDown. I can see Bianca retaining here. I, I don't think it's uh, the time to take the title off of her just yet. Edge versus Seth Rollins. This is kind of a dream match of sorts. And, uh, you know, many years in the making with the angle they did a few years ago. And uh, I can see Edge winning this one. You know, I guess Seth Rollins, it's hard to say, actually. I could see Seth Rollins winning it, too. Sheamus versus Damian Priest. Sheamus has actually been having the best wrestling matches on Raw in recent weeks. He's had some great matches with Ricochet, Humberto, 
And Damien uh, Priest, you know, friend of the show. We've had him on a few weeks ago. I'm rooting for Damien to win this one. And I feel like that's probably most of the matches. I can't imagine. They're probably going to make Omos and AJ Styles versus Randy Orton and, and Matt Riddle. I could see that. And I kind of hope uh, Randy and Matt win that because I really like that duo. And I love how much, even though the crowd wants Randy to RKO Matt Riddle, they still can't boo Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle is so likable. They can't help it. I'm, I'm recording this a few days before the weekend, so I don't have the benefit of being able to watch the premiere of AEW Rampage to talk to you about it, but I'm very excited. It sounds like they're really loading up the show, and next week, of course, the speculation is CM Punk is going to be there. So right now, I think it's such an exciting time in wrestling. It's been kind of a downturn 18 months, but things are picking back up. Wrestling is very, very exciting right now. Even with New Japan, they have their U.S. show that happened this past weekend. Again, I'm recording before it happened, but a lot of interesting, unique matchups on that card. And the match I was most looking forward to is Ishii versus Moose, because it's just Ishii in the U.S. Got to get myself to the West Coast to see that. That's my basic thoughts on the world of pro wrestling right now. What are yours? I'd love to hear from you. You can, of course, always hit me up on social media. I'm Rob Injection. Also, Squared Circle Pit is on all social media. Give us a search. Give us a follow. Thank you, as always, for all of your support. And I'll be back soon in the pit.